Hey, Dinks! Welcome to Dennis in the Know. This is your backstage pass for current trends, politics, and education in the dental world. I'm Dr. Jeff Horowitz. With me is Dr. Jennifer Bell. You know her as JB and Dr. Chad Duplantis. We are all practicing dentists, we are all educators, and we are all business owners. Our job is to bring all of you in the know. T-Bone. He's been a huge advocate of digital integrated workflow for a really long time. I've been fortunate to take some of his courses. I have a really funny story about the one I took most recently. It's been in the last probably six, eight years. Um, What I love the most about him, one, um, is that he's in, in my neck of the woods and we integrate with the same reps and the same uh, specialists and, and we have some of the same friends. But what uh, what has continued to impress me is his drive and desire to want to reinvent the wheel, to, to find new ways for dentists to have opportunities to grow and be really good in their profession and be happy doing what we do. And we all know that, you know, showing up every day to be a dentist can be really challenging. And I think it takes folks like Tarun who are empowering dentists to find joy and to find um, uh, chemistry within their environments to, to make it successful. And, and he's, he's touched. And I can't even begin to imagine how many lives he's touched. He can quantify it probably in, in one statistic, but I bet he doesn't actually know how far his little ripple effect has really gone. Yes, Tarun, it's true. <laughs> so Tarun, I'm going to tell you this funny story. So Welcome. Rock star on the show. Yeah, oh, thank you, guys. So when I, t- so when I got my first CIRAC in 2015, um, Tarun and I both have the same Patterson rep. Well, I don't know if he's your only rep, but he, he calls This is my only Patterson rep, yeah. Chuck. So yeah. Chuck sells me this CIRAC thing, and he's like, you've got to take Tarun's course on implant placement, like immediate implant placement. I was like, okay, well, that sounds, you know, pretty reasonable. So I had probably owned the Cirac machine 10 days at the most. We hadn't actually, I know you can blame Chuck for this, had not actually done any, hadn't even gone through our onboarding, nothing. So I come to Turin's course. It's phenomenal. We go to the hands-on portion where we're going to design an implant crown on an immediate placement implant. I don't even know how to select the tooth number to start the process of even beginning to tell the computer what to do. And I thought, I'm such a dumbass. Like, I don't even know where the power button is on that dumb thing. I've only had the CIRAC for a solid 10 minutes, but I did learn a tremendous amount. It just was, uh, I might have been a little early in the game, a little early, a little premature. I don't think you should talk about premature with three guys on here. Valid. It's valid. Yeah. This is why I can hang out with him all day long because <laughs> Jeff, are you it like a, I do. Jeff, are you by a piano? Seriously? I'm not. Oh, do you hear it? Yes. yes. I was so, trying to figure out where that noise is coming from. No, okay. I, I will lower it. The the cabin that we rented, um, we um we we came in here. And we can't figure out how to shut this off. 
Yeah. <laughs> is it your girlfriend or your wife quiet. playing playing <laughs> yeah. the piano? That's a valid question. Is that your girlfriend or your wife playing the yeah. piano? Yeah, it, it it is neither. It is neither. Um, not that. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna just gonna dig. Okay, so JB, I'm sorry. Ask <laughs> question again. I'm just trying to get Jeff's music silenced. Oh no, yeah, we're, I just, we're trying. Uh, one of the things I would really love to room tonight, if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about, mm-hmm. is the latest education center that you've opened because I yeah. think uh for me it's it seems like such a win for dentists to have not only the educational piece during the day but every meeting I've ever been to where it had the fellowship component after hours where you had an opportunity to interact with the speakers the vendors other attendees and a very um safe environment where they could be really open and vulnerable was a win so How's that playing out in reality? Yeah, you know, um, you know look, I got I was uh, very skeptical uh, myself that uh, buying the retreat would be a good idea. Uh, I had a lot of fear of doing it. Uh, my wife forced me to do it. I think she got tired of people staying at our house. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so she forced us to do it. And we were in the middle of a pandemic when we bought it. Um, so uh, th- there's all that. It, but but I knew from my experience at uh, uh, at uh, what was called the Smilenium that Ivoclar hosted. Uh, I went back in 2004, 2005, and uh, we all stayed. There were 16 of us that stayed in like a four pod. It was like four bedroom townhouses that with four of them connected together. And uh, we stayed up playing cards and hanging out. And I, I couldn't tell you one thing uh, that Ivoclar kind of pitched to us or educated us on during the day, but I could tell you everything that I learned and got influenced by in the evening at night, uh, being surrounded by people that were well far ahead of me in my career at the time. Uh, so I knew that, that, uh, I was impacted by that and, and I've always wanted to recreate something along those lines. So, um, you know, we sold one of our beach houses and we needed to do a 1031 exchange. So my wife's in charge of real estate. Every piece of real estate I bought has lost money. Uh, everything she's bought has made money. So I just let her do that. Um, along with other things that she does. But um, so so we bought it and it, it's been great. It's 10 acres. It's in Wake Forest, North Carolina, literally just north of Raleigh, a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a uh, 40, 45 person training center uh, with hands on workstations. And we have uh, the ability to to sleep 18 people on site, um, which is fantastic. And And honestly, my goal at some point is to get to where I show up in the morning time. I uh, say hello to everybody, and then I come back in the evening and really just hang out with people in the evening time uh, around the fire or having a, a small drink or uh, cooking food or whatever it may be. A, a small drink? Yeah, I'm not a big drinker. So, um, uh, you know, I'll have... Uh, how, how did he get on the show? Uh, <laughs> I, I, do, I do drink water. So. Yeah, good, 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 good. So, so it, it's worked out great. It's It's been... It's been uh, quite, quite, quite interesting and amazing. Um, uh, the dentists that come are deeply engaged and they're pining for the, the, that word. I wrote that word fellowship down. I mean, it reminds me of uh, those church, lo- church lock-ins that I used to get dragged to uh, mm-hmm. growing up. But, um, you know, I, I kind of call it like summer camp for dentists. We, we're just nerding out. Uh, we're just dying to be around individuals that are just like us. Uh, because too often we're surrounded by uh, local society people who are 
having a contest of, of one-upsmanship and mm-hmm. you know and 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 they're like living in 1990s and everybody's walking around with gray gray hair and balding and like a jacket with 8,000 little pins on it uh you know nothing that represents what dentistry or what the dental professional is today uh so they're just looking for a place to be around people like themselves so how many courses have you held there at this retreat? So we're one year in, so we've probably done like 25, uh, 20 wow. to 25 courses. We wow. About, yeah, that is yeah. crazy. We do about 30 to 35 courses a year. Uh, it's almost every weekend. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real business. A lot of people uh, do education on the side. I mean, it's, it, technically, it's my side business. I still uh, practice three days a week. But uh, uh, I do education about 30 to 35 weekends a year. Uh, so it, it's it's a lot. Of, I enjoy it. I mean, clearly I have to enjoy it. And then I don't know if you guys saw this week. Last week, we opened our nonprofit dental office uh, called Smile 3D. So that's uh, that's another big endeavor I have as well, uh, is, is to provide um, great dentistry for the, for the working class. You know, I hate saying less fortunate uh, because typically less fortunate are people that are truly don't have anything. And I think we're missing an entire segment of the population of people that quite honestly work their asses off and mm-hmm. can't afford a single, I mean, a single tooth implant yeah. would be four to four to $5,000. And, you know, my mom was a teacher and she made $22,000 a year. She couldn't afford four to $5,000 to have a front tooth replaced or a back tooth replaced. Uh, so, so I want to leverage the relationships I've had, the education that we provide, and at the same time, help the working class people um, get dentistry they probably couldn't afford. And frankly speaking, um, and this is me being very biased, uh, uh, so I apologize if I say anything inappropriate, but too often we we say when we do charity dentistry, it's okay, we can just take out teeth, or we can do large fillings, or we can do you know slightly substandard dentistry than what we would try to do in our practice. And, and I don't think it should be that way. I, I think it should be all digital. It should be at the highest quality materials with, with the best workmanship and the best care we can we can provide. It's not always the best outcomes, but with with a good heart. So that's uh, that's that's our goal at our nonprofit dental office. I love that. It. That is phenomenal, man. That's that's amazing, and I think that more people need to give back like that because I do agree with you. If we go to charity stuff, you know, what's the purpose of going and doing like three or four amalgams and extracting a few <laughs> teeth? You know, I mean, I can't stand it when we go somewhere and they're like. Hey doc, we appreciate you being here, but all we do here is extract teeth. If they need something else, they need to go somewhere else. If they need right. anything other, you know, you're yeah. putting an amalgam on number eight. That's all there is to it. We don't have any have, have composite. If we do, it's expired. So I I, I commend you for that. Um, how many faculty do you have in 3D dentists? Uh, uh, so I, I don't know the exact number. I mean, it's probably six, seven, eight. There's me, Sully Aaron, um, Matt Standridge, Brian McGew, uh, Jock Jernigan. Rick Sullivan, uh, and I'm missing a few. I, I know there's, there's seven or eight of us that teach our programs. Um, it's not just me. Uh, I, I'd like to be the least important person in our organization, frankly speaking. Um, so, and, 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 you know, we treat, we, we teach a wide range of subjects. Uh, my area is, uh, is really around uh, kind of simplifying the business part of dentistry, kind of controlling you know, Look, it, it's your name on the door. So, uh, or it's in your name on your license. You should control what you do. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that. That's why I went into dentistry is for the autonomy it affords. And then, uh, you know, then I want everybody else to teach all the other subjects uh, that we provide. 
Uh, so, you know, I, I want to focus on the things I enjoy and, and where I think I can be of help to dentists. So and we, have, we have a team yeah. of like almost 15 to 20 mentors that come and help us with our live patient programs. Uh, so, so it, you know, it's, it's a decent-sized organization. So, T-Bone, I've got a question for you because, I mean, obviously, you've been in education for for a long time. You've taught on a lot of these subjects. But for the people who may not be as familiar with your platform, what was the impetus? Like, what what, what was it that made you say, okay, this is what I want to have. I want to call it 3D Dentists. Yeah. Just just give us some of the background on that and what you felt like dentists were needing. Well, it's a, probably a roundabout. I don't I don't know if I have a direct answer to that, but you know, look, I'm not the smartest person. I'm a pretty simple person. Um I try not to complicate things, and what I've always seen is that my practice and my skill set have always grown around technology. Uh, and as I've added technology and leveraged technology and utilize it, I've seen myself be able to tackle more and more. I call technology the great democratizer because it democratizes dentistry. You know, look, when I graduated dental school in 1999, general dentists did crown and bridge and, and, and took out a few teeth here and there. Uh, you know, we didn't really do root canals, only if it had one canal in the front. Uh, we didn't do any type of orthodontics because we didn't know how to bend wire. We certainly didn't do any type of extraction grafting. We certainly didn't do any type of implants. And, and if you look at all of those procedures, they've all been driven down to the general dentist because of technology. And so I've always been a big fan of technology. I never, you know, although I've been very closely associated with very specific brands of technology, uh, I've never want, I don't want to be associated with any specific one particular product within within the technology realm. So that's kind of where 3D came about is because we're doing 3D. And, and quite frankly, the, a deeper meaning of 3D is because I want people to have successful businesses. I want them to do well financially. I want them to do well clinically. And, and at the end of the day, we work financially and do good work so that we can have a good family life. So the three dimensions of dentistry are also the economics, uh, the clinical excellence, and, and, and our family balance. So that's kind of the other underlying meaning of uh, the 3D component to it. I, I believe you had a direct answer to that. You know. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a very direct answer. I mean, it could Fantastic not have been better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody everybody has what what their passion is in dentistry, and and I think you know that that's kind of what makes you who you are is is kind of that passion that comes from the things that have been important to you in practice and. And other people see that as really valuable. So, you know, don't be embarrassed to share that, brother, because, I mean, honestly, that's, we all do this to make a living and to have that good, you know, that life-work balance. Yeah, I don't know if the word balance has ever existed in my life. <laughs> Me too. Well, you I, know, I, I, think, I think of it more of a seesaw. Yeah. And there'll be times where I'm very focused on work and it kind of gets out of line. and. Then there'll be the, you know, where I get reeled back into family and it gets out of line in the sense that I, I miss what I do. Uh, and, and so really it's just, the, to me, the balance isn't finding a way to make things level. It's just finding a way to make sure I get into both realms of my life uh, as often as possible. Uh, so I, I, haven't found, I haven't found a way to do balance in the way that most of us think of it. It's a very much a seesaw for me. 
Tareen, when you, you've, for me and in my career, you've always been someone who's on cutting edge, not bleeding edge, but cutting mm-hmm. edge of new technologies and things that are coming out. The rate at which technology is evolving is um, almost too difficult now for the average dentist to keep up. And so as, you know, someone who wants to go back to practice tomorrow, who's trying to compartmentalize and figure out, number one, what can I invest in that will give me the best ROI? What makes sense for me and where I am? And then just like the Cerec machine became obsolete within 15 minutes of purchasing, you know, constantly changing. So what are some pearls or or pieces of advice that you could provide to clinicians to help guide the decision-making process and all that? Yeah, a couple of things. I'll answer that with two things. Uh, First is um, the most important piece of technology I have is the least expensive piece of technology I have in my life, in my dental life, at least. Uh, And that's a digital camera. Uh, from 1999 until now, it's the most important thing I use in my practice. Um, it's more important than digital impression, more important than CBCT, more important than any number of things, 3D printing, all those things. You know, the truth is, is none of those things get utilized if we don't have a way of showing our patients what mm-hmm. we're seeing. So to me, the simple and most important thing you've got to implement in your practice in a very deep, deep, deep way It's digital photography. Now, when I speak to digital photography, I'm really not talking about uh, uh, Insta-famous or fake book digital photography. I'm really just talking about even something as simple as taking your phone out and just taking some pictures of of teeth and showing it to your patient and just saying, this is what I see. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm concerned about this. What do you want to do? And and you'll be so amazed at at, um, uh, what what your patients say to that. Now, you know, so to me, I want to make sure that Technology, effective technology doesn't have to be expensive. Uh, num- the, the second part of that is, is I think too often we get, st- we get stuck on goal plan, you know, goal, goal setting. And really what I'd like to rename it is we, we get stuck on destination setting. And we try to set a destination of where we want to get to. And we don't focus on the process uh, and the why of what, what, mm-hmm. what, what we're really trying to accomplish. And, you know, um, I think it really what technology fits really at the end of the day, it's almost all this, always the same things, but really it's got to be around what you want to do. You know, if you want to see more patients and do faster dentistry, then there's a certain technology and techniques within that technology that you need to do. If your goal is to do implant dentistry uh, and, and, and do it at the highest level possible with the most technology possible, then CBCT and digital impressions are, are the answer. Uh, if your goal is, hey, I don't want to see my patients but once, then you need to look at chairside milling as the option. Uh, and, and really, you know, and I lived in this world where digital impressions meant chairside milling. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, for my part of the practice, and I'd love to get into talking about a practice versus a business. But, you know, uh, my practice, which is within the business of our, of our building, I don't do chairside milling hardly at all anymore. Uh, it's being done extensively in our practice, but I personally don't see the benefit uh, of chairside milling for what I'm doing in my practice. Uh, I see a lot of benefit in printing uh, in my part of the practice, but not as much in chairside milling. Now, my associate partners would see the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. They would see tremendous benefit in chairside milling and hardly any benefit in 3D printing 
uh, from their perspective. So really, it's got to be about what you're trying to accomplish. And nobody spends enough time getting clear uh, about who they are, what they're trying to become, and what they want to be known for. You know, it's. I love how you said that. You know, we we don't focus on the why, and we need to focus on the why. And and I think it's just so important. And that's something that I that I really really preach. And I love your approach. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, a digital camera. I mean, iPhone, intraoral camera, extraoral camera, whatever you have, you've got to take pictures. You can share disease as, and you can also share health, and they're both meaningful to a patient when when you're sharing those images. And I think there's, there's so much power in photography. Um, you know, Walter Haley used to talk about just giving a patient a mirror and using an explorer yeah. to point out what you thought. So, I mean, you don't even need a camera at the end of the day. All you need is a mirror. And, and too often we're just not giving our patients a chance to see mm-hmm. what we see. And really that, that is what it boils down to is how can we let our patients see what we see? And the camera is the easiest. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. They can take it home. They can put it on their fridge. You can resend it to by email. You can utilize it to market your practice. You can utilize it to market your speaking career. There's so much you can do with a single picture. Um, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand why more dentists don't double down on, uh, on, on photography in their practice. I mean, especially now with the price of uh, these intraoral cameras that you can buy off of Amazon that are basically disposable. Yeah. I mean, Go for it, you know. Well, you know, look, I have a very biased view. I don't think intraoral cameras serve a purpose in dentistry anymore. I think we should be using extraoral cameras. Uh, show a patient one tooth, you're going to do single tooth dentistry. Show a patient a quadrant, you'll do quadrant tooth dentistry. Show a patient an arch, you'll do arch dentistry. Show a patient all their teeth, you'll do all all their teeth dentistry. And, and the challenge with intraoral cameras, while they're easy to use and they do a nice job, is they show single tooth dentistry. And and my model is very much based on not doing single tooth dentistry unless that's what all the patient needs or that's all the patient can afford. T-Bone, you are speaking my language now. So, I mean, now, now you are speaking to my heart. And this is why I even say the CBCT in a full field of view. Now you're doing whole body dentistry, yep. right? Yeah. Not just even arch dentistry. It goes, it, it, we have to take it beyond that problem, fix it, problem, fix it. We got to get to the whole body approach. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and part of that is a communication skill that I think we don't spend enough time on that we get very uncomfortable with uh, because it's hard learning to talk to people. Uh, and while I come across as being good at it or very comfortable with it, I wasn't this way 22 years ago. I was, I was just like everybody else. I mean, I didn't know how to talk to people. I got very technical. I thought, you know, I thought consent was walking patients through literally, I'm going to take a 557 burr and I'm going to burr out this amalgam. I'm going to visualize the cracks. I mean, it's like going into that verbal diarrhea with patients. But I want to back up for a second on intraoral cameras. Uh, I don't think, I, I want to restate uh, my statement. Uh, um, 1990s intraoral cameras are useless. Uh, in 2022, the intraoral camera of 2022 is a digital impression machine. Of course. And, um, you know, so for those of us that have been around enough, we know that intraoral cameras used to cost twenty to $25,000. And they rolled around on a cart. Uh, and that's eerily similar to a digital impression machine. Uh, so, look, I, I know it's I know it take, take, costs money and I know you can't go from zero to hero. Uh, but we've made the commitment in our practice that every operatory will have a digital impression system in it, uh, along with the extra oil camera. 
and and the results that we're seeing are are pretty pretty stag- staggering. Uh, again, assuming everybody uses the technology uh, to show the patients. So you had brought up before, and you want to dive a little bit deeper into the difference between running a business and running a practice. Yeah. And I think a lot of dentists, including myself, struggle with that nuance of you know. One, what piece of the puzzle do we as the widget makers play in the the manufacturing of the business? And then how do you, you know, how do you transition that into a full business? And so I think that's a valuable piece of information. Well, I'd love to talk about it. Um, And and so I want to be very simplistic about a 30,000 foot view, and then we can dive in deeper as we want. And, And, and again, listen, I went into dentistry because dentistry means different things to everybody. Uh, and, and it's why I love our profession. We are an entrepreneur. We're a healthcare provider. We have a job that creates capital for us to do other things if that's what we choose. So uh, my way is not the way. It's, it's just a way of doing mm-hmm. things. But I think from a 30,000-foot from a view, uh, I, disc- I differentiate a practice and a business uh, between if I were to leave the office, would I not make any money? And, and that, to me, is the main differentiator between a practice and a business. A business runs without the owner there. But whether it makes money, at least it doesn't lose money, it loses less money. And, and, and most solo practitioners don't own a business, they own a job. And, uh, and to me, that is the main difference. I didn't become a business until 2013, 2014, when I hired additional providers within the practice, uh, so or for the practice. So, so from a big picture view, to me, the difference between a practice and a business is going to be the ability that I can leave for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, one week, and things don't shut down. Things continue to move, uh, maybe not as well, or maybe even better uh, when I'm not there. So that, to me, is, is the definition of a business. Number one. Number two is I think, you know, I want to use the example of Best Buy here, a modern day Best Buy. When you walk into Best Buy, they have different departments uh, and it used to be segmented by all TVs, all, you know, uh, dishwashers and stuff like that. I I haven't been inside of Best Buy lately. I I go into the parking spot and have them drop into my trunk. But, um, um, but, but the modern day Best Buy has been broken down to where you go all to all the Amazon section or all the Google product section or all the Apple section, uh, all, you know, it's a store within a store. And, and that's really how we've kind of uh, broken our practice down is that we have multiple stores within a store. And I, I look, I know some of the older gray haired dentists with all the ribbons on their, on their chest are going to be like, that's what's wrong with dentistry. We refer to it as a store and no offense. Most of us are in shopping centers today or would like to be in shopping centers today. Uh, so we, we have to recognize that dentistry has changed from the 1990s model that, uh, that I'm a product of. But um, we run a store within a store. And, and for us, we have a hygiene store. Uh, we have a, what I call, you know, lovingly called meatball dentistry store. We have an implant dentistry store. We have a sleep apnea dentistry store. We have an orthodontic dentistry store. Uh, we, we, we have a, um, um, you know, we have different stores within within our practice and each store has a specialist in a sense and I, I i use that word specialist very very carefully within dentistry because 
But if you go to the Google store within Best Buy, they have a Google specialist, that person that knows the Google products in and out. And in our practice, we try to establish uh, what we call champions, because you can't use the word specialist so easily. Uh, We call champions people that know that particular product in and out. Uh, For example, Liz is our sleep apnea champion in our practice. I mean, she does probably more sleep apnea devices uh, than most people in in the state, quite frankly. Uh, You know, Megan runs our, what I call our sales department or our concierge department. And that's all the patients that come in to see me that are looking for or have a need for complex care. Whitney runs our implant department because she runs all the clinical side of all the implants. She's in charge of making sure we have the products, making sure it gets printed, making sure it goes to the lab and comes from the lab, making sure and understanding the difference in the healing abutments and scan posts and digital scan posts. And dentistry, do you guys agree? Dentistry has become unbelievably complicated today. Gone are the days where it was like, do I use dispersal or some other kind of long chain amalgam, a short chain amalgam? Yeah. You know, remember there used to be like a pink amalgam and a blue amalgam that's set at different times? Yeah. Uh, Tarun, is there another business on the face of the earth where one provider provides so many services with so many materials? And and so I, I love this messaging because. It took me a long time to kind of figure this out that, you know, where I would always try to make my team adapt to what I was doing. Okay, now we're doing a lot of sleep apnea appliance. Now we're doing a lot of orthodontic. So I want you to adapt to this. I want you to adapt to this. I want you to learn this. No, we need to bring a champion in for each of those areas. So I love your messaging on yeah, you know, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to share a quick slide oh, yeah. here that Absolutely. kind of uh, please, please. kind Go of right uh, kind of sh- sh- shares this, and 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 I don't want my message to be lost here. Uh, I'm still a big big believer in general dentistry. Look, what I learned in 2008 2009 is that a healthy general dentistry base provides you recession proof living for a long piece long yeah. time. Now, look, I'm living where pretty much all I do, 80 percent of what I do, time wise. Uh, and certainly economically in the practice, is implant dentistry for myself. And I like to think of that more on the emotional and advanced end within this slide. But what I do know is if we hit a massive recession or something like that, I could always go back to doing traditional general dentistry. Mm -hmm. But along the way, what I haven't done is given away that general dentistry in the sense that I haven't let those patients leave the office. And that's where becoming a business is important. So as I've dived in more and more into the implant side of it, you know, it's kind of a catch 22. I can't dive in deeper if all I'm doing is doing fillings and crowns all the time because those things the time sucks and they're more importantly the mental bandwidth sucks. But at the same time, I'm afraid or have a fear of going all in on implants because if we have another 2009, you know, that discretionary spending is kind of the first thing uh, that will go away. Yeah. So, so I'm a big believer that you, that you got to build a firm and very nice foundational base of general dentistry, and then as the senior owner or the mo- more more clinically apt or or communication apt dentist, then you get then you've earned the right to pick and choose the type of dentistry you want to do from with that general dentistry base. And then becoming a business is about uh, uh, you know adding providers. Or, you know, in states where you have FDAs or, you know, dental therapists, whatever the hell, uh, you know, things that they're coming up with these days, Uh, none of which I'm against, by the way. 
um, uh, you know, then then we have to expand our business. And 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 what I've found, uh, and it's it's massively it's amazing to me, is that the more the general dentistry I've given away, the more I've been able to fill my schedule with things I enjoy to do. Uh, and, and it's amazing. All that dentistry is within our practice, or we have a little bit of time to go market outside of our practice and attract that type of dentistry. And there is no, there is no shortage of patients that are looking for uh, the work that we want to do. That's awesome, man. Kudos to you. And, uh, and, and I love your passion for what you're doing. I love the graphic that you just shared. Thank you very much. It's... Yeah, one last thing on this one, because I have all kinds of shit I want to talk about. Right, my language. Yeah, you guys can Facebook or whatever. They can, they, bleep, yeah. they can bleep yeah. it out. Um, there's an important thing. There's a lightning bolt in here and there's this dotted line. And Paul Homley calls it left-sided dentistry and right-sided dentistry. And one day I'm going to have the nerve to name this, uh, this dotted line, the Homley wall. But <laughs> um, because I've learned so much from him um, too many okay. of us, we, we, we get stuck at this intersection, this intersection between general dentistry and what I call advanced dentistry. And typically that intersections in the 2000, $3,000 ballpark. And well, maybe even a little bit less actually maybe in the 1500 to $2,500 ballpark. And what happens is the buying process or how people buy on the left side of this dotted line is very insurance driven. Mm-hmm. And how people buy on the right side of the line is very emotionally driven. And, and, and it's not logical at that point. And, and too much, we don't spend enough time understanding what it takes for somebody to buy $50,000 worth of dentistry or $30,000 worth of dentistry, or even $5,000 worth of dentistry. And, and really, it's a different level of skill set, a different level of leadership of your patients, of your team, of yourself, uh, that really allow us to really move into uh, this realm of dentistry. Now, don't get me wrong, we get lucky, and we can do one or two of these things, of these types of right-sided cases each month. Um, you know, but to, to build a part of your business, to build a store within your practice on that type of dentistry does take a, a real, uh, real focus on, on, on a, a, a patient buying process. And most of us call it a case acceptance process, but I really like to refer to it as a patient buying process uh, because it starts from what people uh, think they know you as, that's your social media presence, what I call personal branding. If we go back to here on the right side of it, I call it personal branding. Uh, and, and that's why it's a buying process versus a case acceptance process to me. From the phone call to, to how you talk to them, how you greet them, uh, you know, how you plant seeds for them, to the photographs you take, the technology you take, to how you make it affordable for them, and how you prioritize the time uh, to get them into your office. Uh, all of those things are are critically important uh, to really move to the right side of that dotted line. May May I dig in just? A yeah, you dig. Please dig in. Please, okay. please dig in. So as you're you're building this practice and you have mm-hmm. these associates and they're operating in their individual stores and you mm-hmm. as the uh, the left side of the line, right, right side, side of the line, line. everywhere right you're looking at, yeah. right side. Um, you want to do more complex cases. Mm-hmm. So you, I, I assume you're depending on associates who identify a treatment plan. So how do they transition <laughs> from the general dentist modality over yeah. to the more complex yeah. side on the other, on the right side of the line? 
So uh, that's not exactly how I look at it. Okay. So um, number one, uh, my experience has been <clears throat> that um, there's not enough right-sided dentistry within my practice uh, to support me full-time. Mm -hmm. There's probably enough to support me half-time. Yeah. So I do have to do some direct-to-consumer marketing uh, to attract or ask for direct referrals uh, from these patients to, to, uh, to kind of fill up my, my bucket uh, there. But I don't, I, well, let me back up. I want to slow down. I catch myself getting too emotional here. <laughs> um, what I want to do is emphasize in the past, I've tried to help associates see this and have the skills. And frankly speaking, my experience has been 90% of them don't have the ability. Uh, they don't have the desire. And frankly speaking, they don't have the ability to let their ego down uh, to learn the skills that it takes to lead team members and patients down the path of right-sided dentistry. Yeah. I have found it easier to help my hygienists identify which patients need me to do the okay. exams and which patients need the associates to do the exam. So we try to treat, teach the hygienists to recognize the difference in left side and right side. And then when we have a right-sided patient, they can choose the best personality that fits that patient or the best clinical skill set that fits that patient. And for the most part, it's been me and my practice but now we are starting to transition some right-sided dentistry to some of our associates as well. Turin, I, I know you teach this to a lot of other dentists, sure. but would you not agree? And the thing that I see as the biggest challenge, and, and quite admittedly, this was a, a big problem for me, is that the dentists who start these practices don't want to let go of things that other people are just so capable of and and you know you, you bring in associates and and they do beautiful dentistry but yet we're you know we want to micromanage <laughs> that rather than saying look you're good at the general dentistry take it yeah. you know i i think half of the problem is dentists being willing to let go of what they don't need to micromanage so, um, boy, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, so number one, uh, and I say this with complete uh, respect and love uh, and understanding that I was once in their shoes as well. Um, I will argue that most associates don't do beautiful dentistry. I will argue that they do board, uh, board quality dentistry, uh, which is average at best. Um, I think um, it's harder and harder today because we all live in a, in a uh, I'm trying to think of the right politically correct word to say, because I know what I want to say. So um, we live in a world of fake book and Insta famous where we all brag about how much production we do and how fast we do it. Uh, and it comes at the expense of quality of dentistry. And there's, there's, look, we can all say we do great dentistry, but the fact is, is we don't all do great dentistry. Um, and and I look back at some of my dentistry from my first three, four years in practice, and I cringe at what I saw because I just didn't know any better. Uh, so I think there yeah. are... Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that, I mean, there there is no offense to that because I, I would completely agree with what you're saying. And I think COVID created a whole new set of circumstances oh. where where, you know, new dentists were coming out with less clinical experience. But I think the differentiator is really the the dentists that want to learn and want to get better and are willing to be mentored 
And, and we have to be willing, I think, as, as practice leaders and as business owners to say, you know what, I'm going to mentor this person to do that general dentistry in the way that they want to do it, even if they're not there clinically yet. You know, you know who the people are that want to do that kind of dentistry. Yeah, would, you, would know, you agree with that? One hundred percent. Look, it takes yeah. it takes two to tango. You got to have somebody that wants to learn, and you got to have somebody that's willing to teach. Uh, and 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 so it goes both ways. And, and look, here's the challenge. Okay, at least from my my perspective, the challenge is is they want to learn during the game. And the game is eight to five. Well, my office at seven to four, whatever time it is these days. Um, you know, you know, I, I measure I measure who's going to be successful by the effort they put in from five p.m. to eight a.m. Uh, and so, if you want to be mentored in my office, you have to be mentored outside of working hours because during working hours, I'm working. You know, and I don't know how to mentor you while I'm in the throes of doing what I do, and you're in the throes of doing what you do. And, and so I tell, I tell everybody that works with me that I'll, I'll give you as much of me as you want, but you won't get it from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, because I'm busy doing work. Now, if you want to come in there and watch me and pretend to see what you, can, what you can't see, because no, Frank, no offense, if you're not assisting me, you can't see shit of what's going on in the mouth. All you can do is make, see me make it look easy, okay? Uh, and, and you can't see the nuances of all of those things. So it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult and slippery slope, this concept of mentoring and menteeing. Uh, and, uh, and, and it is both people's fault. It is the ego of both, both people involved. And, and you've got to make the time. So in fact, like we're onboarding our, our third dentist right now. And, and he's, he's, a full-time, he's a full-time person. He's five days a week. And on Tuesdays, his job is to just follow me wherever I go. When I do hygiene checks, when I do consults, he just follows me around. On Wednesday, he follows around our other associate partner so he can learn more about what she does. And, and you know, I always say the clues are all around us. Uh, and somehow in dentistry, we just think our profession is so different uh, that we have to do things differently. When you go to any fine restaurant, okay, and, and I don't mean expensive and fancy, I just mean a place that we all like to eat, not McDonald's, not Chick-fil-A, not any of those places. They have Waiters in training or wait, waitees, I, mean, I don't know the right pronouns these days, but the, you know, the waiters in training or servers in, a, uh, in training, and they literally hire people and say, just follow me around for a couple of weeks and, and buy into the culture of what we have here. And too many of us, we hire a team member or we hire a dentist and we just, little, and I'm very guilty of this, uh, we just throw them in to, to the deep end and, and then we wonder why we don't get the results. And the clues are all around us uh, that, that if you want, if you want to build a, a practice on service, on a relationship and not transactional, then you have to bring your team members in in a different way, uh, and or you have to set aside meaningful time, not the the lunch that everybody's running late to, and fifteen minutes before lunch ends, they're thinking about their one o'clock patient. You got to set aside meaningful time to coach your team and, 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 and it's important you, you can, you know, what was, what was it I heard today on a podcast I was listening to? Uh, uh, one is not enough to get you to greatness, you know? So, so we've got to, you got to, um, you got to understand that it takes a team to get there, especially in today's world, especially in a world where we're trying to build a store within a store, especially in a world where we're trying to go from a practice to a business. You cannot get there alone. 
and 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 you need people around you you need you need cheerleaders you need therapists you need drugs <laughs> you need all kinds of stuff to get there uh, and or you need to decide that you're happy being good enough and 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 just live that life and stop looking on insta famous and and fake book and trying to be something that you're not willing to put the work in for Turin, you've given me five conversations that I would like to have you back and and really get into more deeply. I so appreciate your candor. I know I speak for both Chad and, and JB when I say this, that um, it is it is really rare to to see someone with your accolades and, and your experience. Um, be be willing to admit their shortcomings, whatever they are, but but also just be willing to talk about dentistry on a level that that most people want to hear. And and like I said, I I already like I wrote down five conversations that I would like to have with you when we bring you back. So uh, just tell um, me when I'm there. <laughs> hey, I, I, I do have a question though. Yes, sir. I'd love questions. Well, we're getting these pins made for Dennis in the know. They're going to be. <laughs> and um, what I was wondering is that at your next dental society meeting, if you'd wear our pin with a ribbon hanging from it. <laughs> I'll wear the pin. I'll draw the line at the ribbon. Okay. 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 No, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, no. I'll tell you what. I'll draw the line at the sports coat with the suede elbow patch and then additional patches all over it. Like at some point we're going to be a NASCAR driver where we're <laughs> going to have a patch right here, you know, in a, in yeah. our sweating area. The eighties have gone. I did this at, at a meeting. JB, do you remember the meeting where, where uh, I won't say what meeting it was, where I stole all of the, all of the little flags. And, and, and literally it was hanging down to my knees because it was, it was just exactly. Well, that's why you what, have a girlfriend and a wife. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I know that. Yeah, I we told everyone. I told everyone how well hung I was. Exactly. I don't want to give anyone time to fact check that particular <laughs> piece of information. I want no one to have time. Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, T Bone, thank you so much, thank you, man. Guys. Thank you, guys and gal. Great viewers, and it'll it'll be up for a while, and we'll share it on YouTube, and and we'd love to have you back. So, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Guys great so to see you, buddy. Good seeing everybody. Okay. Jennifer, nice. good seeing you as well. Right. Take Jeff, care. Close Take us care. out. And that wraps up another podcast for Dentists in the Know. On behalf of Dr. Jennifer Bell, Dr. Chad Duplantis, and myself, remember that we've got a great profession. So let's make it a great day, Dinks.